0: We live in a society where women are not often respected or treated equally as men and are looked down upon. On today's episode of Yours Mentally, we talk about how the patriarchy affects a woman's mental health. This episode is in conversation with Ami Patel, who is a psychotherapist. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. So on today's episode where we talk about impact of patriarchal structures on our mental health, Ami, can you talk about the psychosocial factors that affect our mental
1: health?
2: Sure, Amin. So there's a number of psychosocial factors throughout people's lives and obviously they definitely have an impact on their mental health. One is the availability of social support. Another is confidence, self-esteem family and intimate relationships, socioeconomic status, traumatic experiences, physical health, levels of stress, also lack of opportunities and disparity in quality of life based on things like gender, caste, socioeconomic status, and sexual orientation. So all of these factors impact one's life and the quality of the life that uh, one is living and then how their brain processes it and how their mind understands it in terms of mental health. Right.
0: So you spoke about psychosocial factors. Don't you think a lot of our like our upbringing i think especially at school sort of affects our mental health Uh, don't don't you think so i i I really think so i feel like you know children who go to school and like schools nowadays obviously are taking a step towards you know uh looking after the mental health of the students as well but i feel like a lot of students from the older generation that where mental health was not given much importance i feel like that also really you know sort of affects their life as they grow up like it, it starts occurring in the adult life i feel what, what do you what do you have to say about this
2: yeah I so i i think that uh yeah that's a valid point definitely our childhood experiences our upbringing our experiences our academic environment our family environment the dynamics with parents and siblings and extended family mm-hmm. self-image confidence all of those things within childhood definitely have an impact on one's mental health Mm-hmm. And then that gets carried forward into adulthood. But I think also mental health is just a general state of being, right? So yep. it's not that we, I mean, everyone has mental health. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of whether someone's mental health is more on the positive end of the spectrum or on a negative end of the spectrum or just in a neutral space. But everyone has mental health because everyone has emotions and feelings and experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Also, can I just talk a little bit about the social norms and how those mental health? Because I think that that's an important part, especially of our South Asian or Indian culture. Mm -hmm. So social norms are obviously present in every culture, not just ours. And it's important to understand sort of how they work and how they impact us. Right. So there's four sort of pillars of social norms, I would say. One is social norms tell us what to do and what Mm -hmm. not to do. They Mm -hmm. play a major role in our decision making abilities. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Secondly, they're socially shared, which means that people have a general understanding and awareness of them, right? Generally people in you know, public will know, okay, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. I.e. a child from a young age is not okay, you don't walk around Or, you know, without your clothes on or, you know, it is not acceptable to talk to people a certain way, right? These are part of our social norms and everybody is sort of uh, collectively aware of them. A third is that social norms carry an element of control, meaning they, they can lead to feelings of guilt or fear. If the social norms are not met by someone, and I think this is where the we see the impact of social norms on our mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fourth part, which is an excessive sort of an exacerbator, is that they place certain expectations and restrictions on us as they influence our behavior. So we are we are taught from a young age: this is acceptable, this is not acceptable, mm-hmm. this is expected, this is not expected, and so those things definitely affect our mental health. Now. When we add the layer of gender, mm-hmm. then that definitely impacts mental health on a, on a more deeper level, right? So mm-hmm. what I will talk about is the socialization of women from a young age and how it affects their mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So in our culture and in other cultures as well, women, uh, girls, I'll say, are socialized in a very different way than boys are. So girls are taught to put other people's needs first take care of other people's needs they need to consider other people's feelings and expectations before their own Mm -hmm. they are encouraged to be more passive Mm -hmm. and non-verbal but rather to be receptacles in terms of directives being told what to do how to do it they're told to sort of listen to what others say as others know better they are from a very young age made clear about what expectations are, right And then in a way that I think is different than the expectations that are placed on young boys.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So I think that begins the we begin to see the impact of uh, gender and patriarchy on mental health from that point i would say in our lives right, right. and
0: then yeah, I th- yes please Yeah, i was just saying that i completely agree with you i feel like in our culture in india especially i think women are treated very differently so uh-huh. you know if you see that uh, in india like i was speaking to someone else like if there's like a, a boy sleeping around with you know many people uh-huh. it's it's considered okay but if this, if, the, if a woman does the same thing you know she's called various words like a slut a prostitute and all of that it, yeah. it's it's a very common thing in our culture and like even even parents you know yeah. Uh, when, when a woman like when a girl wants a divorce in her marriage they always mm-hmm. uh, don't encourage it because yes. they're worried about what the society will think about them and you know how she won't find someone else she's mm-hmm. not going to do well in life mm-hmm. and even uh, the whole thing about a woman leaving the job after marriage you know it's mm-hmm. never the men uh, the boy who has to sacrifice it's always the girl yeah and even in movies, like, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in a lot of Bollywood movies, you, you'll always see the boy is shouting at the girl and she's just taking it, you know. Because mm-hmm. that's because according to the norm, it's just all that, you know, like you said, women are just su- supposed to accept what other people say. They're supposed to believe that what others are saying or what her husband or boyfriend or whoever is saying is supposed to be, you know, correct. And maybe she should just accept it and, you know, just move on with it. Yeah. And I feel like all of these things sort of influence the behavior of people, you know, who who watches these things? Like, if 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 a small kid is going to watch a movie and he sees that a guy a, a boy like a husband is screaming at his wife, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the kid will think it's normal because it's it's been showing it's been shown on movies, television, and you know everywhere. and yeah. Obviously, the parents are not going to go home and I mean, I, in most cases, the parents do not tell the child that this this is wrong. You know, this is not how it should be. It's just always go home, have a good time, go to sleep. It, that's how it is. So it's not you know people are not being educated about what's wrong. They're just watching and, you know, just being there as bystanders is what I'd say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you made some really good points and I'd like to sort of expand on that. Mm -hmm. One is that, you know, patriarchal behavior, sexist behavior, this sort of double standard of behavior is learned, right? Nobody's born that way. So you learn from your environment. Either something is explicitly taught to you or it's it's taught to you implicitly because it's being modeled for you by the people around you. Right. And so, yes. And when certain behaviors go condoned or at least not condemned, if somebody, if you're watching a movie together as a family and the adult in the family doesn't step up and say, you know what, actually, that is not okay what we're watching. We don't do that Mm -hmm. in our home. We don't treat people that way. Then there is a very passive sort of receiving of that message. Right. Mm And and so yeah, absolutely, it begins to shape how people sort of see their role and see their identity. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I, th- I I think what you were trying to say, which which is important, is that there is an absolute double standard in which in which boys and girls are raised and treated, mm-hmm. as well as men and women in our culture. Right? There are very rigid gender roles for women and men. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of women, you know, having traditional women's work being undervalued and diminished while still having really high expectations for that work, right? So there's a lot of this talk about like, oh, Sheetho just sits at home all day. What mm-hmm. does she do? But then the expectation is that she do all these things, right? So it's a very sort of dichotomous or contradictory understanding or perception of how that works. Mm-hmm. Also, I think for women that work outside of the home, women are expected to work like they don't have children and they're expected mm-hmm. to raise children like they don't work. Yeah, so yeah. And that kind of pressure is never put on men, right? You don't ever hear men being asked, "How do you balance it? How do you mm-hmm. do it all?" Because men are not expected to do it all, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. there's that that function as well. And I think the idea of when you mention about like how women are treated, say in terms of their sexual behavior or relationships and things like that, I think the honest thing is is that women are made to be responsible for their their families, their in laws, etc. Honor, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow their behavior is a direct sort of indicator of how good the family is or how trustworthy or how, you know, believable in the sense that there is a there is a level of moral policing on women that simply does not exist for men. Mm -hmm. Right. It also, I think, shows when there's a concept of, you know, being an ideal daughter or an ideal daughter in law. I think that definitely manifests. Mm -hmm. Also, I, I would say that, you know, women are measured by the milestones of marriage and motherhood, again, in a way that men are not. So Mm -hmm. she can be extremely, extremely successful professionally. But Mm -hmm. if she's unmarried, there's still like an asterisk next to her name, right? It's like, oh, that's great. But Mm -hmm. right. Or women who choose not to be married because they want to pursue their professional careers or women who put off motherhood, even if they are married again to pursue their professional goals. It's like, yeah, but somehow made to feel like they're incomplete because Mm -hmm. they've not sort of fulfilled that expectation that society puts on them. (laughs) <laughs> right and then you also mentioned a divorce so yeah absolutely i think forced marriage or also forcing a woman to stay in a marriage when mm-hmm. that marriage is unhealthy or abusive not supporting her if she wants to take a different path and then yes the taboo like you said of being a divorcee
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: mm-hmm. a it's a taboo i think that is singularly placed on women versus mm-hmm. men and so you can understand how all of these things definitely can affect women's mental health right yeah and then i think another another important part i would say is also considering how women are sort of treated or how patriarchy affects women outside of the home so when we look at like the professional arena right when we look at women who work they are very obvious wage gaps between genders even in same professions same positions there are professional limitations around marriage and motherhood status and then also i think i would say that you you alluded to movies and i absolutely agree with you i think that media does a really poor job of really speaking to patriarchy or speaking to uh, rigid gender roles Mm -hmm. and i would say that you know like even if you talk about society in general right so if a man shows leadership at work he's considered to be a good leader he's strong right Uh, and if a woman does the same she will be called bossy right or difficult when when disagreeing with colleagues or friends men are again considered strong-minded or outspoken whereas women might be considered bitchy or whiny right so there's a there's a penalty that sort of comes i think with being a woman in our culture under this sort of arc of uh patriarchy and i think the thing is is that what what patriarchy does is i think it enables men and gives them a free pass of exemptions from say household chores right because i've worked all day i can't come home and do this and for women it's the reverse right women if they want to i i'm putting quotes in this want to be allowed because obviously they don't need permission but society tells them that they need permission to work outside of the home. So if they want to be allowed to work outside of the home, they still need to prove that they're capable of taking care of all of their household responsibilities because that's the primary job. And then you can be outside of the home to work, yeah. right? So it's a it's a, a real disparity, I would say, in the way that these things are viewed, right?
0: Yeah. And also in context to this, I don't know if you watch the show called Bombay Begums on uh, Netflix.
2: No, I haven't. I haven't. Tell me so, about it
0: yeah it, it actually talks about how women in india are treated you know so all of them are at the at a high position in companies and how they're treated very badly because they're women you know yeah so that show talks all about this you should watch that and everyone listening should watch it it's a very beautiful show
1: okay yeah yeah I'll be and, take it. and
0: uh what happens was uh after that show riots started breaking out in people wanted to get that show removed because you know it, it was portraying how women are stronger than men and uh can so, do better than men and all of that and in that show the women was they were married all of them but uh-huh. they were sleeping around with different men so that is also looked at as a taboo and you know yeah. all uh, people were like all about like oh this is not right how can they do this and all that so it's it's just embedded in our heads like in our culture that it's not okay for you know married women specifically to have mm-hmm. affairs if men have affairs it looked as uh, they're they called playboys and all of that you know and it's looked yeah. at as something cool yeah. But when women do the same, like I said, they're called sluts, prostitutes, and what.
2: Yeah, and I think what happens is that you know this this type of patriarchal sort of thought process it really gives men a sense of entitlement, right? So, like in mm-hmm. this example that you gave of a married man having an affair, the yeah. the reaction is ha ha, what yeah. the What's the big deal? Whereas a woman doing the same is yes, definitely slut shamed, definitely questioned about her character and her mm-hmm. capacity as a mother. You know, all these things, all these pressures, all these unfair sort of characterizations are put on women where they are not on men. And I think Uh also when you said that because of this show, people were protesting and all. Here's the thing. When society, I mean, I actually, I wanted to talk about how our culture also affects mental health. So I'll get into that in a minute. But I think what happens is when a culture or society when it creates a box, right? So what it's done is it's created a box for women and for men. So women need to be in this box. And in that box, you are docile and demure and you're present for everyone and you do your job and you do it with a smile and you don't complain and you don't talk back, right? And you be grateful for the, the benefit that a marriage to someone gives you and your honor and your name and things like that, right? And men are supposed to be, strong, even aggressive and providers and hyper masculine and, you know, have sexual conquests and do all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the box that they're put in. So the thing is, is that actually patriarchy also has a negative impact on men. Right. Which we we can talk about in a little bit. But Mm -hmm. the problem with this is that when a show like this comes along or in real life, when people do things that are outside of the box that the culture has placed them in, it Mm -hmm. makes people very uncomfortable right because what they see is oh they are creating dissension in the status quo and that's not okay go back to the way things were that's how we want them right Mm -hmm. no matter that's not what people want or that you know it's 2021 things have changed our beliefs have changed our understanding of the way things work has changed but people don't like that and obviously people who are sort of sort of stuck in these rigid gender roles are also very sort of traditional in their thinking right Mm-hmm. So it's it, it creates a, a lot of discomfort. And from mm-hmm. that comes that anger and that frustration of like, how dare you show this? Because also, they it's a, it's taken as a personal attack, right? How dare you show this about our culture? How dare you show this as being acceptable? It's mm-hmm. not that it's acceptable. It's that this is the reality. And this is simply mirroring, you know, a show like this is only mirroring mm-hmm. the reality. Yeah. Some people don't want to accept it. So they get sort of up in arms and they get very upset about these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that when we talk about culture, I, I think we cannot underestimate the impact that our culture plays on our mental health because it is significant. Right. Mm-hmm. There is still such a stigma around mental health. It's still seen as a weakness or something to hide when you have when you're experiencing a problem with mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that makes it harder to address or harder to get help around it. Right. Also, people, I think, have a limited understanding of symptoms. So what happens is maybe when someone goes to a doctor, they're only going to talk about the physical symptoms because they don't understand what the emotional symptoms are. They don't understand that they can feel different things. And that's okay because they're being told that you shouldn't feel this way. You shouldn't feel upset. You shouldn't feel angry. You should be happy. You should be positive. And that's not really a healthy way to deal with someone who's struggling with mental health. Also, I think because of our culture's lack of understanding, it limits the availability of family and social support. So what happens is the person who's already struggling with their mental health feels even more alone Mm. and feels like they need to figure it out on their own or they can't really seek help. They're not given permission to seek help. Um, And then, of course, it's difficult to find appropriate resources, right? The Mm. ratio of mental health professionals in this country to the general population is so low that even if someone was looking for it, right? Like we're lucky that we're in, you know, generally urban surroundings where we can get connected to health service providers, mental health service providers. But if you think about people who are coming from smaller towns or even rural areas, there there's a dearth of not only resources, but there's probably even more of a disconnect between understanding of mental health and, and what the need is, right? Yeah, yeah. And then also, I think because of the gender roles that we've talked about, so uh, i would say this the the men are also like encouraged to take on more i would say intellectual and socially valued professions like Mm -hmm. engineers doctors lawyers versus who are encouraged to pursue more what we would call caregiving oriented professions like nursing teaching counseling or even physiotherapy so what happens is it also not only does it diminish the potential and capacity of women but it also discourages the idea that men are also capable of doing things like caregiving and having emotional intelligence right yeah,
0: the point of bring up is very good because in India if you see most of the counselors like or most of the therapists are female like exactly most of them and if you see engineers most of them I'm pretty sure uh, uh, 90% of them are just boys like mm-hmm. that's how it is like engineering if you go to the colleges it's like you know there are like probably hundred boys in a class and then there's two girls or something like that whereas if you go to psychology class it's yeah. the other way around you know
2: yeah yeah and also That's, actually i would say yeah. that this even starts from a younger age right because in maybe not as much in this generation maybe in, not in your generation as much mm-hmm. but i would say in generations previous girls i think were actively discouraged to pursue science and math right by yeah. being told oh you won't understand this or this is too difficult for you yeah and prodded and encouraged to go into arts or humanities or things like that. See, it's easier to balance that with family responsibility, right? If mm-hmm. you're a doctor and you're, say, a someone like a gynecologist or a surgeon or something, you're on call. How can you leave your family in the middle of the yeah. night? How can you be on call and have to run? What if you're in the middle of fulfilling a, a family responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So there. So I think a lot of women in in, in past generations have really had their dreams or goals or aspirations diminished because of the importance that was placed on their role in the home Mm -hmm. as opposed to their potential outside of the home.
0: Yeah, and I feel like even in the army, very, Uh very less women. I don't see a lot of men because the whole, you know, notion about women aren't strong. Yes,
2: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Physical prowess, right? Physical capacity, physical ability for women versus men. And, you know, the ability to fight on the front line and to not be emotional. I, I think emotions are the number one reason besides physical capacity that is yeah. ab as a as a counterpoint to women serving the direct line because, oh, what if they make emotional decisions or what if they can't, you know, stand up to the enemy when, you know, they need to, which is completely untrue, right? Mm-hmm. But also another important part now that you've raised military service. I think the other thing that also goes undervalued or under discussed mm-hmm. is mm-hmm the amount and frequency of sexual assault that happens to women in the military from their own counterparts yeah right and how uh, and of course uh, if you when you think about mental health obviously you cannot talk about the military without understanding that there is emotional toll on mental health that happens right when someone is on the front line someone is away from family or supports the amount of trauma that they might experience or they might see and then how that trauma also gets manifested right so yeah, there's a, there's that whole component that I think um, is a really important one to consider. And maybe that's for a future future discussion, obviously, but but that's yeah. important as well. And I think also, if if, um, if, I, if you don't mind me continuing, I also want to talk mm. a bit more about sort of the role of patriarchy in mental health. See, We know that patriarchy is the, the basic definition, right? It's a social system that basically gives power and control to men. And that Mm -hmm. shows up in political avenues and socio and cultural, uh, uh, cultural economic uh, means like moral authority and policing, social privilege, economic privilege, etc. So I think what we need to also talk about is the fact that it not only reinforces gender equality, but it also requires that cost to be born to women right? So I would say that you you mentioned a few earlier, and I'm just going to sort of tag onto that. Within that overarching infrastructure of patriarchy, there are issues like the subservient or secondary status of girls and women in the home, especially when it comes to things like Mm daughters-in-law, preference for male children, the practice of dowry, what we would call marriage permanence or discouraging divorce in Mm -hmm. relationships that are abusive or no longer working, the lower educational status of women. So the idea that women are to be educated, not because they will be encouraged to sort of reach their professional potential, but because they are more they're more likely to get better eligible candidates if they're well educated. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's used as a mechanism to garner a better partner, but then they're not encouraged to really use that potential once they're once they are married. And then also the uh, primary role of child rearing is uh, expected to be for women, even when they're working outside of the home. Now, this I've not included things like domestic violence and marital rape, because I think that that's a separate and more involved conversation, obviously. But of course, that has a significant mental health uh, impact, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things that I just talked about the things that you've talked about, also, it all affects women by influencing their confidence, their feelings of self worth and self esteem. They have role confusion, right? Because it's like they're expected to do all things at all times. So there's constant sort of guilt, right? Like I'm not doing this well enough. I'm not doing that well enough. I have to do more of this. I'm doing less of this. And it feels like there's I think feelings of inadequacy and insecurity also come up. And then it also invokes feelings of guilt and fear, anxiety, depression, as well as uh, certain trauma reactions, right? Right. So it really affects them across the board.
0: Right. Ami, can you tell us something more about uh, the practices within Indian families that can be detrimental for
2: women's mental health? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's what I had talked about earlier, which is the double standard in the way that uh, boys and girls are raised, expecting... Men and women to have rigid gender roles. Women are expected Mm -hmm. to work like they don't have children and expected to raise children like they don't have work. Expecting to uphold the ideal daughter or daughter-in-law image. Women being judged and approved on the milestones of marriage and motherhood. Or measured mm-hmm. on the milestones of marriage and motherhood, and then bearing the brunt of the of the social sort of taboo if there's a divorce, or if even I would say that even in in the context of a partner that is cheating, right? So if a, if a husband is being unfaithful in the marriage, oftentimes it's the woman that's blamed. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you not doing? Or what are you not yeah. doing enough of that, you know, he's stepping out. And I think that people are more generally more willing to, I think, turn a blind eye to the inappropriate or yeah, the inappropriate behavior of men. If yeah. you are the if you are the sort of um, secondary gender, then mm-hmm. you're going to be judged far more harshly. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to say that, you know, the other impact I would say for women is also that these patriarchal constructs and and these beliefs also get internalized by women right so you like you'll see a lot of media you know maybe 20 years ago there's this wave of media that began of these like sas bahu type of serials yeah yeah where the mother-in-law is like this sort of evil shown as this evil person and the daughter-in-law is this scared and timid and shy young woman yeah. and i think that the the perception that oh daughter you know even women treat women this way is because patriarchy and its beliefs get internalized which means that the more and more you hear a particular message you begin to believe it Mm -hmm. right so that's why women might also women are not patriarchal but women have internalized the patriarchal message so that they are because here's the thing patriarchy is about who has power? So obviously people want to be in dynamics where they are holding the power over somebody else. So this is a great way. So if a, woman, if, a, if a woman gets married into a family, which is patriarchal or very sort of traditional minded, she's having to deal with the brunt of that, right? She's having to deal with the negative sort of impact of that. Then, and she can't do much about it. She can't fight back. She doesn't really have a voice. Maybe she's not given a sense of autonomy to make her own decisions and things like that, right? So she has very little power and control. So then after, say, 25, 30 years, when she's in the role of a power position, it's finally her chance to have some level of power and control that she never had Mm -hmm. all these years, right? So then that manifests in that relationship. That's why you hear a lot of, like, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard this too, like a lot of mothers-in-law might say, well, I dealt with it, so now it's your turn, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
2: I managed it, so now you manage it, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, that just because her experience, her mental health, her trauma never got validated, that doesn't mean that now someone else's trauma isn't valid with respects to their mental health or the impact of patriarchy on it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah it does. And yeah. I also feel like in our culture for some reason women are just associated to be weak for some reason. Like just mm-hmm. everything and not only in our culture, I feel like even all around the world, you know. Yeah. So the, the whole thing about, I don't know if you heard of this, but it's a, like a very common thing in my generation where if a guy or a girl or anyone is just scared of doing something, they call called a pussy, you
1: know? Yeah, it's, yeah, It's absolutely. a very
0: common thing. And ironically, so it's like, it's more with boys, you know, when one another, like within one another, if, some of the, if one of them is scared to do something, they're called a pussy. Yeah. And I feel like this is just projection that, you know, they project like, I, I don't know how to explain this, but I feel like the the whole point that they are scared of doing something and then they're calling each other a pussy isn't that a little ironical
1: because yeah
2: (laughs) this is exact i think that's a really valid point i'm really glad that you brought that up because that's exactly when we talk about how patriarchy affects men the idea is that because women are seen as secondary subservient less than inferior Mm -hmm. anything that remotely makes a man feel like he's like that is seen as negative right yeah so the best way to put another man down is call him a pussy, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you are not too... So w- w- what happens is in, in patriarchy, it creates a box for men too, right? Of being like a toxically masculine man. So mm-hmm. be strong, be a good provider. Don't show emotion because that's being weak. Look a certain way, have a certain body. You know, don't in any way act like a girl because if they do, then they're abused with homophobic or even transphobic language, right? hmm and because of that toxic masculinity, I think that when a man who has been inculcated with this type of belief, when they're rejected by a woman, it's taken as a personal insult instead of just, OK, it's her choice to say no to me if I ask her out. It's mm-hmm. taken as a personal insult, right, yeah. like, which then justifies some behavior like spreading false rumors about promiscuity, slut shaming, cyber stalking. And even ex- extreme results like uh, asset attacks and, and things like that. Because mm-hmm. you are a man. You, how dare somebody say no, right? That that, yeah. that sort of hyper-masculine expectation. And the mm-hmm. irony, of course, right, is that, and then when, when you want someone to be strong, you say, grow a pair of balls or, you know, yeah. like have some balls, why can't you do this? You know, that yeah. type of yeah. thing. So absolutely, I think that you're using gender, To sort of imply a certain level of superiority or inferiority, which Mm -hmm. is directly reflected in the structure of the society, right? And I think that's where also, like, the biggest fear, like, men, straight, cis men have Mm -hmm. is being hit on by a guy, right? Yeah. Because the thing is, is that that is, like oh my god what do i seem weak do i seem like a pussy do i seem like i'm i want like a man or you know like that type of thing so mm-hmm. it's like a, a direct sort of hit on their self-image and so then that sort of reinforces that homophobia transphobic response
0: another point that i would like to bring in here is yeah. even body shaming i don't know if you've noticed this, but what i've noticed is in our culture and i think again all around the world women are body shamed more than men are like if a woman is, you know, like, if, if a guy does not think that a woman is the perfect body that he wants,
1: mm-hmm. he'll,
0: he'll start to, you know, tease her or just talk crap about her or look at her. And men tend to st- uh, set these beauty standards that, oh, this girl doesn't look like, you know, a certain someone, so I don't want her. She heard yeah. her body is not this way. Mm. She's fractured. Oh, these are these are things. These are very common things that I'm pretty sure you you must have heard that you know. But yeah. usually speak about about it a lot, like you know. And what I feel is like they pass these judgments with I don't know what thinking what because they are not perfect for sure. So I don't know why would they expect <laughs> the girl to be perfect, you know, when they themselves yeah. are not perfect. I feel like yeah. that is w- one very wrong thing because for some reason boys just think that they deserve you know, the best. and Yeah, the greatest.
2: Right? It's entitlement.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying you don't deserve the best, but don't, you know, make best like what you want best to be. There's a difference between you wanting the best and you sort of, you know, uh, I don't know (laughs) what the word is, but you you get the difference, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think that this actually, what it stems from, honestly, is the objectification of women. So women are reduced to body parts, right? Yeah. Her, Her butt her boobs, her this, her that, her thighs, you know, all these, her hair, these, these things. And so when you reduce women to Mm -hmm. just a sum of body parts, it becomes easier to objectify. It becomes easier to make them into things instead of people, right? And Mm -hmm. when, when you do this, it's very dehumanizing. Because then you're Mm -hmm. not seeing them as a person, as a complete person. You're just seeing them as the parts and those parts then are like open to judgment. Right. And I would say what's connected to that is the sexualization of women. So when a woman owns her sexuality, it's it's condemned. Oh, how dare she's a slut? Who does she think she is? Look at her blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. when she's sexualized? Oh, that's okay. Huh? Yeah. Look at that ass. Look at that this, right? So yeah. there's, that, there's the idea that woman, a woman is not allowed to be a sexual being unless a man makes her a sexual being. So from that, you get objectification, right? That's why you have these ridiculous item songs.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Where yeah. the woman is an object. She's in a room full of drunk, lascivious men dancing, right? Mm-hmm. And she's meant to be this attractive trophy that nobody can get their hands on and, and objectified, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you even if you look back, I don't know if there's a, there's an old movie called Hum, and there was a mo- uh, there's a song in there called Juma and yeah, this is yeah. about how you promised you were going to give me a kiss, you haven't given me a kiss. Now I'll demand, I'll get a kiss from you.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah.
2: So so they're objectified, they're sexualized, and so then it's easy to to reduce them to just body parts, right? Also, there is somehow yes, like you said, there is a policing of women's bodies that is somehow just accepted in society, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you've done this. Oh, look at your, oh, you've gained weight. Oh, look at your hair. Oh, why are you wearing that? There's this constant sort of judgment and policing that happens that does not happen for men, right? But I think it's also tied into that. I mean, that's why I think so many girls, young girls and women develop body image issues, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, because there is an idealized sexualized version of what a woman an attractive woman should look like right Mm -hmm. and that's not true that's just simply Mm -hmm. not true but because that's upheld by things like movies or videos or you know um, even like if you listen to uh there's a this uh singer rapper bad Mm
1: -hmm. a lot of
2: his lyrics are about women being objectified right yep. and and the thing is and they're and they're the problem is they're catchy maybe and so the music is catchy so people are like connecting and they're not even realizing what the what the words are saying
1: mm-hmm.
2: right and even when they're those the the videos of those songs are made women are treated the same way so yes to your point that men are expecting women to look perfect it's because that's the image right if you look at movies if you look at the the i mean i don't know who's today's sort of stars are but when you look at movies, all the women look the same, right? They're super skinny,
1: yeah.
2: <clears throat> um, where you know, like perky breasts, a proper butt, this and that, right? Fair skin, long flowing hair, because these are all the attributes that are idealized in women mm-hmm. by yeah. the culture, yeah. right? Which doesn't take into account any level of uniqueness or individuality. So I think that absolutely. So then and then what happens is women, uh, men are also then given permission by because if society is doing it, why shouldn't I? I oh look at her, you know, her boobs aren't big enough, or her butt is too big, or this is that or that is Mm -hmm. that her skin is too dark. She has, you know, acne scars, or whatever, I don't know, whatever it is. But yes, to your point, absolutely. There's a sense of entitlement. That's why maybe a guy isn't looking at himself in the mirror and saying, Oh, am I somebody am right. i making myself out to be not physically but am i the kind of person that would be attractive to someone instead of thinking about whether that person is attractive to him you know mm-hmm. there's not a lot of introspection that happens about okay what am i what am i bringing to this but it's only about the expectation of what the other person should be like or should look like
0: yeah and another thing i also feel like a lot of abusers at least in the abusers are just centered around women I, I just haven't noticed it, you know just I mean, all of them mcbc all of it it's just all of it, yep, it, yep, all of it. Yep. yeah
2: and, absolutely. yeah and why and that's why that goes back to the point that i was saying i'm and you brought up a good point that what i was saying about how the best way to insult another man is to hmm. feminine like to sort of highlight some level of femininity or some connection yeah. being a yeah. woman being like a woman <laughs> right that's why men also call each other bitch yeah yeah. Uh, you know or pussy like you said yeah so i think that there is this false sort of myth right about women being weaker the weaker gender the weaker sex weaker in general because they have emotions the problem with men is that men have emotions too but what what patriarchy does how it affects their mental health is that it tells them that their emotions aren't important or they shouldn't mm-hmm. show their emotions right mm-hmm. that's why so much of of it comes out in aggression because they've not been taught that you're allowed to be sad and hurt and scared and disappointed and frustrated and irritated and confused and all these other things. Mm-hmm. They're not given permission. Right. So yeah. then it's just channelized in anger and aggression. Whereas
0: yeah. I also feel like another thing is that for some reason, gossip is associated with, with women. It, it, it is it's just everything in this world, you know, that is if, if something is wrong, it's this happens to be associated with women, you know, Yeah. that, so I feel like even gossip, like, you know, if you just speak to like, even my own friends, you know, it's just, it's a shame that I have to say this. but my own friends, you know, when, when I tell them about something, you know, they're like, oh, why are you saying this? Are you a chick? You know, why gossip? a uh, chick? Yeah. I, It's okay for men to gossip. It's not a bad thing. Firstly, I don't know why, I mean, okay, gossip, gossiping every time is a bad thing, but w- once in a while, it's it's very human to do it. And yeah. when you do it, I, I don't see any reason why you need to associate that also with, you know, being a chick or whatever.
2: Yeah. So I think everyone gossips, regardless of gender. It's not just uh, limited, I think, to women. I think a lot of men, uh, whether it's, you know, guys your age, maybe, or even older, like a lot of like it's gossip is talking. Right. And a lot of people talk about other people. That's what gossip is. How gossip began is that, you know, in back in the day when women were restricted to their houses. Right. They were restricted to their homes. They weren't going out. They weren't moving about. The men in their homes were moving. So when they would see each other, they would exchange information. They had yep. nobody to talk to. So I'm talking about generations back, right? I'm talking about long, long ago. So this mm-hmm. is how the idea of gossip began. It was just how just talking to each other about what was happening in their lives, connecting to each other because they never got a chance to connect to each other because they were just so isolated and siloed in their own lives, in their own homes, within their own families. So when they would connect, they mm-hmm. would talk. And that's how they shared information, and that's how they felt less alone, right? Now, maybe over time, it's become, it's become sort of, it's devolved maybe into a negative thing where you're talking about somebody else, and Mm -hmm. you're talking about, you know, so yes, so what's happened now when we talk about gossip is that someone's personal life becomes social currency, right? Oh, did you hear about this? Oh, did you hear about that? Right? It becomes a negative thing, and it becomes hurtful. But gossip can also be positive, right? Oh, you know what? So-and-so is doing this. Isn't that amazing? Or, oh, you know, I did that. Isn't that great? So I think maybe it's just about social interaction (laughs) and it gets labeled as gossip for women, right? And anyway, like you said, I think there is an automatic judgment on the thing that, on the things that women do, (laughs) right? There's an automatic label that gets put on things (laughs) that women do. And also remember, if you are, if you are, again, within patriarchy, if you are limiting a gender, to where they can go and who they can talk to and where they can be and how they can be, then they are going to crave connection in some way, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's... That's how it developed. It used to be their way of sharing news, right? I mean, now it's not the same. Um, So one point that I wanted to bring up was the uh, way women are portrayed in
0: um, action movies or sci-fi movies. So, you know, you'll see like this woman is wronged or she's assaulted. And the first thing she does is not speak up or, you know, Mm -hmm. defend herself, but she'll run to her brother or her boyfriend or her husband. And then that guy will come and then
2: meet up all the bad guys. And the woman is just standing there on the side. Yeah. So obviously this plays into this trope of women being weak, right? So yeah. actually actually, the bigger issue is when you look at a lot of movies, yes, even a lot of really popular series, say things like Game of Thrones and stuff, right? Violence against women is used as a vehicle to move the narrative,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's used yeah. as a weapon of war historically, like in real life historically, rape is used right. as a, a, a weapon of war because what was the best way to get to a, a community or culture or society? By mm-hmm. de- dishonoring women, women, right? Yeah, Because it yeah. dishonored families and societies collectively. So yep. it's used as a weapon of war. And definitely, I would say in storytelling, whether it's movies, TV, etc. Violence against women is definitely used to move the narrative. So it is either a catalyst to, to you know, anger the protagonist to getting revenge or seeking, you know, uh, redemption or things like that. Or it's used as a vehicle to build a romance, like the helpless damsel in distress needing to be rescued by the big strong man. Mm -hmm. It's definitely used in that. Or if if in olden, like in, um, I mean, I I don't know if it still happens now, obviously, but in Hindi movies from, say, 20, 30 years ago, you know, if a woman was raped, usually Mm -hmm. what would happen is, yes, the family would want to avenge their fallen honor. Because Mm -hmm. somehow, you know, a woman's honor somehow has been placed in her vagina. Not by her, obviously, but by society. Um, So, and not only her honor, but her family's honor, her husband's honor, her society's honor. And so what happens is, uh, in the olden days, the movies would show a woman being raped. And then she would either, it would be an honor killing, like she would be killed by her family. Or she Mm -hmm. would commit suicide because there was no worse experience, right? That was like the ultimate horror, the ultimate thing to befall you. And so, yes, that that definitely has been used. And, of course, women having to be rescued or women not being the protagonist in saving... The, I mean, I think that's changing now, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, yes, mm-hmm. usually women are, like, the scantily clad sidekick. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So a man's going into, like, a battle and he's, like, dressed to the nines and wearing all this stuff. And she's, like, in her little bikini top and her, you know, her um, joggers or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. So, again, mm-hmm. it's... There is isn't there is an objectification and a sexualization that's happening. But yes, mm-hmm. using using uh, violence against women to, to forward that story or to forward that narrative definitely happens.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's, that's quite a good episode. I feel like a lot to learn for myself and even for Rashi and a lot that we could add as well. You know, I feel like a lot of people out there need to be educated on a lot of things and, you know, especially uh, people from the generation above us, you know, who, yeah. who think that all these things are normal. you know, calling calling people a pussy is normal thinking that women are not allowed to <clears throat> take it have a divorce and all that is normal i think those people really enjoy that you know it's not it's not normal it's not right so uh, thank you Ami, for being with us really.
2: thank you so uh, much for having me amin and rashi i really enjoyed this
0: yeah and i did too so to everyone listen to you thank you for listening and i'll see you in the next episode